My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. This is the only channel dedicated to UFC fight picks and DraftKing lineups run by MMA insiders and professional fighters. Every week, I join Dan Kramer and Nick Newell, two longtime professional fighters that have fought at the highest levels on the planet, as well as Jacob Lines, a skinny kid from Indiana. So join us every single week for our full fight card breakdowns, our individual fight card breakdowns, our betting guide, and our DraftKing lineups. First up at UFC 261, we have Lang Na versus Ariane Carnelosi. And this is an interesting matchup. This is as true to form of striker versus grappler as you could possibly get. And you're going to notice a theme here. We have several Chinese fighters with insane records and not a lot of footage to do research. Luckily for you, we've done that research. We found the footage and we've got a pretty good handle on these matchups and how they're going to go. Before I hand it over to you, Dan, you all may be saying, wow, look at these beautiful new graphics. There's so much on the screen now. Well, two things. One, we've incorporated Monkey Knife Fight significant strike lines. If you're not familiar with Monkey Knife Fight, check out the full breakdown video that we did earlier that talks through who they are, what they do, and how to do it. And what we're going to talk about in these breakdowns is the same thing we do with the DraftKings piece. We're going to talk about the line, whether we'll take the over, the under, and what that looks like. So follow along, and that's what we're doing there. And if you want to sign up for Monkey Knife Fight, Look at the bottom of the graphic. We have a promo code and the URL so you can get an instant match on all of your money. So, Daniel, we have what is like a 13-foot-tall grappler versus a shorter, strong, compact striker. What are your thoughts here? How do you see this going? Yeah, so this was uh, – well, first of all, let's, I'll, I'll say this. I had a tough time finding footage on – uh, a lot of these fighters from overseas, from the uh, Chinese uh, Performance Institute. Um, the footage I did find, a lot of them looked very good. Uh, Na Liang was Liang Na was was one of the ones that I didn't find a ton on, but I did find you know enough to uh, to make an assessment. Um, really, I'm making my pick here based off of uh, Carnelosi. So she's 0-1 in the UFC. Um, her last fight was September of 2019. She lost to Angela Hill via TKO in the third. Um, but it's Angela Hill, who is a very, very, very good striker and a very good fighter. Um, you know, first off, you can see in the picture, she is absolutely jacked. She just comes out aggressive, brawling, you know, a Muay Thai style, always going forward, power shots, hooks, leg kicks. Um, and, you know, in that Angela Hill fight, she went after her. She threw a ton of punches, but just couldn't find the mark. Um, Angela Hills just was, I think, a little bit more fluent, more athletic of a striker, evaded really well. Um, but I will say that Carnelosi did look good. It was just a very tough matchup for her. So, um, you know, she was in great shape. Third round, she was still pushing hard, had a ton of output, um, and she got stopped. It was a cut stoppage. So, um, but she was not going anywhere if, uh, if the doctor didn't make her stop. So I think that's just a tough UFC debut and you got to imagine she's continued to improve over the past couple of years. So, uh, I think we're going to see a really, really tough, good fighter, uh, in Carnelosi in this fight. Um, as far as Naliang goes, uh, again, I didn't find a ton on her, but you know, she is on a four fight win streak, but her last four fighters, basically had losing records. You know, they were 500 uh, best case scenario and most of them had like very little experience. Um, 
she's in the UFC Performance Institute in China. So you got to imagine she's getting some good training. Um, but, you know, I, I spoke to, to a few people who were able to find some some footage and they just said, you know, Cornelosi is probably going, should be a much heavier favorite than she is. And from what I saw on tape and how good she looked, how aggressive she looked, um, I'm picking her. Uh, I don't have her on my DraftKings right now, but I think she might be worth the 8,600 bucks. But the lack of footage on Liang at this point has me a little hesitant. Um, but again, I heard she's kind of like armbar or bust. Uh, a friend of mine that I talked to said that, yeah, Liang, uh, Liang could be in trouble in this fight. So um, Cornelosi is my pick, not touching it for DraftKings at the moment, but, um, and I like her at those odds too, minus 165. So. Yeah, I agree. I, I like the odds quite a bit because I agree. I think she's a bigger favorite. DraftKings probably has that price correct because $8,600 is not cheap. Um, that, right. That's pretty high price. Um, you know, and essentially uh, Liang Na is she's incredibly tall. I don't know her exact height, but she is incredibly tall. And uh, Ariane Car- uh, Carnalosi is not tall, but she's jacked. And she comes forward with her striking. So for Liang to win this fight, she needs to get it to the ground. And I think when you have the height differential this direction, if you're the grappler and you're that tall, it's going to be hard for her to lower her level and get under Ariane's hips and take her down. And I think it's just going to be a problem for her to do that. And her striking is not good enough to keep the distance and, and outstrike uh, Ariane. So Ariane's going to come in similar to Tisha Torres, tiny tornado style, come in, throw bombs, throw combinations, go out, come back in, do it again and not get taken down. So Jacob, what are your thoughts? And let me know what you think on these strike lines. Do you think Liang Na is going to throw more or less than 42 significant strikes? Listen, you guys know that I'm a single man. I'm, I, I think that's been very clear for the audience. I'm a single man. And I've been told my entire life that when you know, you just know. You just know. Oh my God. And I it's, just it's know that it is so nah. early in the night for this. <laughs> I know that now. Oh my Lord. Is my lock the first of the week. fight. The first fight of the night. Listen, you guys, she is a tear. I don't know. You guys couldn't find tape. I found tape and she is a terrifying grappler. She is non stop dragging to the ground. There was one fight where the, the girl is literally just dragging her across the ring. She's not going to let go of your foot. She's going to get you on the ground and she's going to TKO or submit you. She can submit you, but she is, I mean, net, I saw her just tossing girls across the ring, TKOing them. She is relentless. Now, listen, Ariana hits like a tank. You guys nailed it. She is tough and hits like a tank. The layoff worries me. She also gets takedowns in a row. So she is a, she, she can grapple on her own because she will shoot takedowns. But this was my favorite part about Naliang. Not only is her grappling, but is her mentality. She mentioned a few years ago, 2017 or 2018, the UFC offered her a contract. She got offered a UFC contract and she turned it down because she said, you know what? I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready. I need to work through the ranks. So she turned down the contract. She worked on everything. Her grappling is just, she's going to get this fight to the ground and she's going to win. This is my bounce back lock of the week. Write it down. Very easy. Wow. Um, I'm not going to lie, Jacob. You might have, (laughs) I'm going to be on the internet all night after this because uh, relentless yeah. relentless listen it's not pretty and she does some weird stuff but when she gets a hold of you she's going to do everything in her power to get that fight to the ground and when she gets to the ground um i haven't seen enough from ariana on the ground um to convince me that she can can stop her so let me uh, ask I, you one thing though because I, I i mean not to discredit what you just said because uh i only saw a little bit of footage on her um 
do you think that her ability to get those takedowns had to do with the level of competition she was fighting being that uh, it, last it could four have been. fighters, you know, were 500 at best and had, you know, most of them had less than a handful of fights. So right. Sometimes that doing, crazy drag down style will work. But again, but she's somebody, doing what she, it's not like she's lower level competition and struggling. She, I mean, those are first round finishes to lower. So right. she's doing what she's supposed to do to lower competition. So uh, I'm interested in see. I mean, this is really going to be, there's a lot of matchups here where Angela alluded to it with the record wise. It's either like, are you for real? There's a lot of right. matchups where it's like, let's see if you're for real. And let's see if she's as good as grapplers. I think she is, but I, you know, I think she's there. You know what I will say, Jacob? Your lock of the week has so much credence now that normally, like four weeks ago, I probably wouldn't even listen. I wouldn't have been like, yeah, I'm not going to look it back up. But I'm going to go back and look it up after this because I'm like, say, all right, Jacob might have a point here. You and, know? And let's so. talk about my lock of the week last week. Real quick, Burchek, the biggest underdog on the card. Reverse oh. position, just like I said he would. Almost TKO and then had him in a tight guillotine where Bisping and Cruz were both like, he's about to tap. I almost nailed that, and I nailed this one. Yeah, almost winning a fight. Good job. So anyway. Let's talk about that, the crying video you did. Yeah. Funny, by the way. <laughs> I, was, I was actually laughing a lot about that. I mean, the, um, I see you healed up nicely. I'm like, yeah, you did. Well, did he, though? <laughs> um, so uh, that's not terrible. Uh, I like the insight, Jacob. Um, I, I think the height is a disadvantage. If she was the striker, um, then it would be an advantage. I think the height for a grappler in this case is a disadvantage. She's going to have to get underneath the hips, underneath the arms to make she's something happen. Like tra- she's going to be like a tarantula on her, man. I mean, just wait. I mean, you'll, you guys are going to see she is, and she is ferocious. She's not like a, a, a pretty jujitsu. She is ferocious. So, well, it, it will be interesting. And and all the first three fights on this card have um, people from the, the Chinese Performance Institute with ridiculous records. And it's very hard to tell what's real, what's padded, what is, what isn't, who they're going to be. So um, it, it's not, you know, uh, I, I've done my research. I have my pick, but, you know, you, you may be onto something here. What I will say, if I'm looking at the monkey knife fight line is... Oh yeah, I, I would. I would way less, way less. I was gonna say. I would yeah. say under um, on Liang and over on Carnalosi. That's what I would do. I would go over. I think on I would go Carnalosi under and under on Liang. Well, you're but, thinking she might get a sub. right. But I, yeah, we see the fight different way. For my, if you think it's right. gonna go my way, you know, I, I don't see much happening at all. That's what but makes this say, fun. It's tricky, right? You gotta, you gotta almost tricky. predict how the fight's gonna go down. And then see how that factors into the strikes. But because what could happen is, let's say Liang does get her to the ground and she just beats on her. Those are significant strikes. Every one of those elbows is a significant strike. So it's easy to say the under and I'm thinking the under. I'm almost under under now that more you're talking about it. I think I think Carnalozzi comes forward like an absolute tornado, just throwing bombs and half we're going to land. So I, I think. Yeah, these lines are always solid. So, so it does get tricky. And we'll do a full card breakdown with the Monkey Knife Fight lines on Saturday. So make sure you check that out with the rest of our videos. But it's essential. Yeah, we'll make our firm this- picks. We're going to do some analysis yep. on the over unders and and give breakdowns. But and essentially, the way it works is to it talk is- through it now when we're all on together, right? Like just to kind of get where everyone's heads up. But yeah, we'll have a final video later in the week. Yep, absolutely. And the way it works, if you're new to it, a check out the video I did walking through how to do it and what it is. And B, essentially, you will have to pick, if you're doing this fight, the over or under on both of these women, you put in $10, you win 30. So you triple your money. 
This is an interesting one. This line is tricky. This fight is tricky. And the first three fights on this card are going to be tricky. Next up at UFC 261, we have Ori Quilang versus Jeff Molina. And this is another tricky fight to pick. The odds makers have this close. DraftKings has this close. The strike line is pretty close as well. But this is tricky because, again, there is not a ton of information around Aori Quilang. There just isn't. So we were able to do our research and put together an assessment. And in my opinion, Quilang is is pretty well-rounded guy. He's a very well-rounded guy. But how padded is this record? So I'll go to you, Jacob. What are your thoughts here? How do you see this going and what's your pick? Yeah, King Lang is very, very well-rounded. I love his, I love his grappling ability. He has great takedowns, can, can, can control on the ground. Um, he gets wild too, man. There's a, there's a lot of moments where I think last week I referenced someone who reminded me of Cody Garbrandt, but when he gets someone against the cage, he will just load up on right hand and right hand and just try to knock someone out. He's got an incredible chin so far. Because as you mentioned, this is another one of those, how good is he, the competition he's been fighting. So, so far, you know, he'll bite down and he can take shots, but what kind of shots are he, is he actually taking? Um, I think in this fight, he needs to use his wrestling. And I, if, to me, when I look at Jeffrey, what he reminds me of, and Dan, see, see if you see the same thing, because we got burned by this guy. He reminds me of, uh, what was it, Jonathan Martinez, a very clean kickboxer, great kicks, looks very, I mean, very looks the part when he's in the ring, very bouncy. Um, I'm worried about, he does have, he can't, I've seen him grapple. I'm worried about him maybe getting out grappled in this fight. And the other thing that I noticed, this is, here's, this is very, this is Intel. This is real Intel here from, from, from all the film I watched. So, uh, Key Lang has a, a great like check left. I mean, like super fast, lightning fast check left. And Jeffrey's got this weird thing that he does in his stance where he always like, it's like a tick he does where, you know, how boxers like just do weird stuff with their hands. Sometimes he always just like lets out his hand like this, just like by his, by his leg. He does it like, just like when he's trying, it's, it's, it's a very weird tick he does. So if you combine the check left with the weird, this, I'm just saying that could be the KO. Plus you should five. be in his corner. I'm just That's- saying, if you guys are watching this fight, someone knows him, let him know. He does this weird thing. It's like a uh, Poirier always like grabs his shorts. People always do weird stuff. That's just like the, the thing he does. And, and the Kayleen's, Got quick, quick hands, and I think he's a great uh, grappler too. So I think he finds a way to win this fight. I think that Jeffrey probably should. He's a cleaner fighter, but I like uh, Key Lang to uh, win this fight. Yeah, so that's interesting. So you, you were saying that you're worried Jeff would get out grappled? Yeah, I, I like Key Lang's uh, grappling. I, I love his I love his timing on his takedowns, and he looked like he had great control in the fight I watched. Obviously, you know the talent level uh, might not be there, but he looked like he had great control in in the fights I was watching. That's just so funny because I, I sort of see, I think he very well-rounded. He's probably the more well-rounded fighter, but I would say grapple wise, Jeff Molina is tough on top, real tough on top with very good control. And I think he, he could and should win by submission if he gets it to the ground, honestly, but Dan, what, what are your thoughts? How do you see this going? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I need to, uh, I need to get where you're getting your videos from Jacob. I mean, you got to send them to me because I know for web, man, it's the dark web. Yeah. The, yeah. The interwebs. I, I didn't mean, even mean guys, to find them. I was just in there just snooping around. I was like, oh, I know on this one, I'm not the only one out there. Cause I was on Twitter and people were making jokes that they couldn't find any videos on, uh, uh on key Lang. So, um, but I did, you know, obviously I, there's plenty of video on Molina and yeah, you made a good reference. Um, 
in him being similar to Martinez, very, very athletic, calm, fluent, good striker. Um, he's on a seven fight win streak. He trains with, with glory MMA. So, you know, he's got a good camp around him with James Krause. Um, he's a very, very versatile striker, jab, accurate shots, switches stances, you know, good movement variety of kicks. Um, his last fight against, uh, Jacob Silva. I mean, Jacob Silva was tough. He was coming forward, throwing bombs. They all are Dan. They all are. I mean, but that, that kid looked good. Jacob Silva looked very good in that fight. And Molina picked his spots really well striking. Um, and he's also very good on the ground. So he won a striking battle uh, with precision and, and, and technique against a guy who's also a very good, tough power puncher. Um, so matchup wise, without having seen a lot on, uh, on Key Lang, you know, I, I can't imagine he's going to be tougher to deal with than Jacob Silva was. And Molina fought that fight perfectly. Um, so, you know, without having seen a lot of footage on Key Lang, I did check his, his past record and similar to, uh, you know, uh, Aori, he's on a six fight win streak, right? But his opponents all had less experience than him and not great records. Um, but again, he's in the China Chinese uh, Performance Institute. Um, so he's probably getting really good training. So it's tough to know what to expect out of him. Um, I would love to see those videos you have. Um, but I think no matter what, this fight is going to be their flyweights. I think it's going to be a ton of action. I think there's going to be a lot of points, a lot of volume. Um, I'll check your videos. And if uh, Key Lang is that good of a, a grappler, um, hold on one second. Yeah, I have this. Um, I have this listed in my notes as aggression versus patience as far as Key Lang being the aggressor and uh, Jeffrey being the more patient fighter. Because Jeffrey is very, very will just sit and sit and wait where uh, Key Lang is. He's in your face and he's, he's getting after it. Yeah. I mean, that'll be, I mean, that'll be very similar to Molina's last fight then because right. Jacob Silva was in his face um, and he dealt with it. He dealt with it really right. well. So um, anyways, I, I, I do think you want one of these guys in your DraftKings lineup. I don't know if you did pick one or not, Jacob, but I have Molina in there. He's actually the less expensive fighter. Um, and I think he's going to win the fight. I think he's got uh you know, better competition he's fought so far. And, and he looked very skilled in his last fight. So um, I've got Molina in there for, for 8,000 bucks. It's, it's tricky. So I, I have Molina winning as well. He's also my pick. He's not in my lineup. Uh, I couldn't afford him and we'll do the lineup breakdown later, but I just couldn't afford him. But the, these are scary. These first three fights on the card are scary. Like I, I, you said you should have one of these guys in your lineup. I don't know if you should. Because I don't think any outcome would be surprising if these Chinese Performance Institute people come out and just blow the doors off the competition. It's like, well, we, you know, their records are great. We knew they were good. And if they come out and it's a dud, it's like, yeah, those are padded records. Of course they were a dud. So well, I, I did get scary. tape on a couple of the other guys and they look good. So, I mean, yeah, to your point, I haven't seen a bunch on these two. And if they look as good as the other, the other guys I saw, yeah, it could be a problem, but. Um, the other guys too, when we get to those fights, we'll talk about it, but they fought tougher competition and still look really good. So, yeah, it's definitely, you know, I, I do like Melita to win. I think he, um, you know, I, I think he Lang's the more well-rounded fighter, but that's because the wrestling's probably better. I actually think Molina's grappling will be better and his striking will be better. 
at least more technical, probably not as fast, but it, it's a tough fight to pick. I think this strike line is impossible. <laughs> this is impossible. I'm going over on both. On both. I see. I, I agree that it could be because it could be a strike fest, but you know, w- with, with um, Jeffrey Molina's patience, they're flyweights, man. They scramble like crazy. You know, I, I can't imagine that. Uh, Key Lang's wrestling is so good that he's just going to control top for that long. I don't know. I, I it's 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 a tricky line. So we'll we'll break that down at, at the in the Saturday video. But I, I think that's actually a pretty tricky line. Next up at UFC 261, we have Rodrigo Vargas versus Rongju. And this is the final of the three Chinese Performance Institute fights that we have. And this is the biggest favorite of them and one of the biggest favorites on the entire card. And it's tricky. It's very, very tricky. And I, you know, it's, it's hard to nail down exactly what will happen, but we do have an assessment. We have a direction. We think it will go. And, and personally, I think that it's amazing that, uh, Zhu Rong has how many fights does he have? He's got 19 fights and he's 21 years old, 19 fights. He's 21 years old. So he's basically a seasoned veteran. But that tells me there's no way. There's no way those 19 fights could be top-level competition for that long at that young of an age. There's no way at 15 years old, you're fighting grown men at top-level competition. Only one decision, too. Only one decision. He's finished 15 people. <laughs> it's crazy. It's a scary, scary record, and he's crazy young. And this could, you know, he could end up being He did greatest- fight some tough guys, too, by the way. I could end up being the greatest fighter in the history of fighters. It could be like, that's the path that this dude's on. I just, it's just so hard to pick that. So anyway, but my assessment is, you know, I, I, Rodrigo, Var- this is set up for Zhu to win. It's set up for him to win. Rodrigo Vargas is a wild striker. Doesn't have much control. He's coming off of an illegal, a wild illegal knockout. <laughs> and I, you know, I think the expectation here is he's going to come out. Rodrigo's going to come out guns blazing. Zhu will do what he needs to do. Bob Weave, knock him out, put him away. And really, you know, the, the Chinese performance the two people are here. They've made a statement and, and that market is wide open now. I think that's what's supposed to happen. That may happen, but I have Rodrigo Vargas in my lineup. I put him in my lineup. I'll talk about it in detail in the breakdown. $7,100 allowed me to afford a lot of these other people. He is going to come out wild. He is a grown man fighting basically a teenager. And I just don't know how much of this record. You're is assuming real. they're telling the truth about his age. So Zurong, yeah, to your point, Angelo, he's got a ton of experience at a young age. You know, this is his UFC debut. So that is always a different experience for anybody. Uh, 10 fight win streak, but it seems like all these all these guys and girls uh, from the Chinese Performance Institute, every fight they had was in the WLF. So, you know, some of them I could find, some I couldn't. But this, I, I did find um, some good footage on Zurong. So he looks like he's a very good measured striker. Um, he moves around a bunch. He uses his footwork really well. He's got a powerful right hand. Um, you know, a, a lot of these guys that I'm seeing – are very, very great, good strikers, good technical strikers, very similar with their styles and striking. Um, 
but I wanted to see some takedown defense because I'm like, all right, Vargas, we know how he fights. He comes out throwing bombs, shoots takedowns, throws bombs. I was like, can, can he defend takedowns? And I found a fight from him in 2019. So that point he was what, 18, 19 years old against uh, Marco Andrade. And his takedown look, his takedown defense looked really, really good. So I'd imagine it's gotten better since then. Um, he's gone five rounds a couple times already. So he's got a wealth of real experience. Uh, I would say more so than the two fighters we were mentioning previously, where their experience was kind of against lower level competition or people with losing records. I think this guy's legit. I think he's got legit experience. Um, I think he's going to win this fight. Um, I think Vargas, he's also tough, but he's 0-2 in the UFC, you know, the DQ against Brock Weaver, um, you know, who's winning that fight before that happened. But I think it's first round or bust for him. He comes out aggressive. He's live for, you know, obviously something wild in the first round. But I think after that, I think uh, Zurong is going to take over this fight, pick him apart, use his footwork, and either piece him up and win a decision uh, or stop him in the second or third round. Um, I, I was very impressed with what I saw from Zurong, and I, I think he's going to win this fight. I don't have him in my lineup right now because he's 9100 bucks, um, and I went with some other more you know expensive fighters instead, but – Man, if something changes and somebody drops, I, I I could very well put him in my lineup. I also held back a little bit too, just because Vargas is live in that first round. Um, but yeah, I th I think Zurong is going to win this fight. He's definitely the more technical striker. Definitely has more power, but I, I think the age, and it's funny to say inexperienced because this record's insane. But at the end of the day, like he is only twenty, so. You know, it's just I, I it just scares me, right? I, I, I would be too scared to put ninety one hundred dollars on that. Uh, so the I would think too. I see I see Vargas getting tired in the later rounds. If he does, if he doesn't get those takedowns and he doesn't finish it early with a big shot, I see him getting tired. And Zurong, like I said, went five rounds multiple times. Um, I think that could be a big factor too. Well, and that's why this significant strike line is what it is, right? It's easy to look at it and immediately be like, oh, I'll do the over. But the over would assume it goes the distance. The odds makers and the line setter here is basically saying Zhu Rong is going to stop Rodrigo Vargas. So there's not going to be three rounds to accrue strikes. This is going to end somewhere late in the first or early in the second. So that's why these strike lines do get tricky to pick. Um, but Jacob, I'll go to you. What are your thoughts here? And, and you know, how do you see this one going? Yeah, I'm glad man, uh, Dan mentioned the uh, takedown defense because that was the first thing I was looking for as well because Rodrigo Vargas is one of those wrestlers that is good enough that if you don't know how to wrestle, he can look like a great wrestler. But if you kind of know, then he's not going to be good enough to get the takedowns. Um, you know, I watched one of his fights where he's definitely relentless with the takedowns. And, and Dan alluded to the cardio issues. I think if he doesn't get the takedowns, it's, he's going to be in some trouble. And I, and I saw Zeus takedown offense as the exact same that Dan did. I think it's, it's good takedown offense. And even when he was taken down, he's immediately back to his feet. Um, so I think that's important because he is, he is a very good striker. I love the way he, he's bouncing in and out. Um, he's got a great chin and this is another one where it's like, it's a great chin so far because he will, he will uh, eat a shot to give a shot. Um, and you know, Rodrigo early first round, that, that could be trouble if he's, you know, running in, you know, UFC debut running and trying to be aggressive. So we'll see what happens. I think that zoo definitely should win the fight. Um, but Angelo, I think you kind of nailed it there. I just, you know, there's still the young kid, you know, $9,100, 
you know, he does take shots. So I, I stayed away from him in DraftKings, but um, yeah, I, I think he should win the fight. And, and I, we've seen people get burned with these picks in the past. It's almost a trap. This much money, this, this young, this good. So we'll see what happens. I mean, he should win. Everything says he should win. I think he should win. I just, I just went with the underdog here because so affordable and there are so many questions here that I'd rather err on the side of, you know, the underdog with all of those questions. Because none of the questions are about him. All the questions are about the favorite. So I went with the underdog and DraftKings. I am taking um, the favorite for my pick. Next up at UFC 261, we have Bagare Dana versus Kevin Natividad. And this is a very interesting matchup. The odds makers have it closer to even than the DraftKings line do. And then the same with the monkey knife strike lines. The, the under on Kevin is pretty low, meaning they think he probably gets stopped or, or is just smothered and doesn't get to put any, uh, doesn't have any volume output there. So what are your thoughts, Dan? How do you see this going? Yeah, so this is uh, this is another interesting fight. Um, I, I was very impressed with uh, Bagarai. Um, he's one and one in the UFC. Uh, his only loss was to uh, Billy Alatang um, two fights ago, and then he KO'd uh, Guido Canetti in his last fight. So he's one and one in the UFC. Um, he in his fight against Canetti, the guy the guy he, he fought is eight and five. He was basically outmatched against uh, Bakarai. Um, but the fight before that in his loss is where I was most impressed with him. So he's a good fundamental striker, got really good feints, solid power. Um, and in that fight against Alatang, it was a very, very competitive fight. Striking-wise, they both ate big shots. He showed a really good chin. Um, and honestly, I think the only reason he lost that fight was the third round. He finally got taken down. Um, he showed really good takedown defense throughout the first and the second. And apparently Alatang is like, was like ranked number three in freestyle wrestling in, I don't know if it's all of China, but it, it, he was a, he's a legit freestyle wrestler in China. One of the best uh, over there. So the guy was obviously uh, tough to deal with wrestling wise. Um, and for the most part, Bakarai dealt with it up until that third round. Um, but like I said, it was a very, very, very close fight. Um, and I, I was very impressed with him. So I think from a striking standpoint, he's going to have a huge edge in this fight. I don't think Natividad is going to really try for or be able to get a takedown if he did. Um, and as far as Natividad goes, um, you know, he won five in a row and then lost his UFC debut to Miles Johns. Um, he's a decent striker. It looks like, you know, you know, solid striker. Um, but in his fight against Miles Johns, he defended all his takedowns well, which means that, you know, Miles Johns was planning to get this fight to the ground. He couldn't. And then Miles Johns still outstruck him. So, um, from what I saw, he looked like a good striker, but he didn't look like a next level striker. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of basics out of him. You know, he's going to throw volume. He'll be in, I think, in decent shape. Um, but I think Bakrai is going to pick him apart on the feet. Um, I, I think this is going to be um, a really dominant performance from Bakrai. And I, I don't think this is going to end well for Natividad. It, it may go the distance, but I just see um, Bakrai kind of dominating this fight from the striking stance. So I do have him in my lineup. Um, 
And I, I think it should be a bit of a slugfest. I just think, you know, Natividad is, is just a step behind a little bit. He's going to be a little slower, uh, a little less versatile. And I think Bakarai is going to score a ton of DraftKings points. Um, and as far as uh, significant strikes, I think Bakarai is going to go over. And then Natividad, 33 and a half. I think he'll go over. I think they're both going to go over uh, unless Bakarai gets a finish. So, um, that's tricky because I think I think Bakarai w- will get a finish, but Natividad is has like very low output, very low output. He right. he basically did nothing. And to your point, his takedown defense looked phenomenal against the wrestler, and then he got pieced up on his feet and and right. didn't respond to any of those strikes. He got hit constantly and had no output. So his line is really hard to pick because thirty three is a low number, but he has low output. Uh, I actually would take the under on that because I think he has low output and I think he gets stopped. So I would take the under on that, but we'll discuss that in Saturday's video and go into that in more detail. Jacob, what are your thoughts here? How do you see this going? And do you also think that Dana wins this fight? I do think Dana wins the fight. And I'll say that he has like uh not Bantam weight power. He's got some real KO power in his hands. And I like, I think I like his pressure in this fight. Cause I think Kevin, is going to try to wrestle the entire time. I think that's his, that's a game plan. He is a decent grappler. So I think he just spends his time trying to shoot takedowns, but he's not a good enough grappler to shoot takedowns, good takedowns when he's getting pressured, uh, the pressure that Dana is going to put on him. Uh, I also think that I've seen uh, Kevin, I think, I think he's, gets, he's got cardio issues to me late in fights. Uh, I, I've seen that in a couple of fights and with the pressure that Dana is going to put on, um, I, I definitely like him in this fight. I don't have him in my lineup. Um, but talking about the significant strikes, I, I think I would go uh, higher on Denai and lower on Kevin because I think Kevin just on his back foot against the cage trying to shoot takedowns from, you know, not very good takedowns. So that's uh, how I see the fight. Yeah, it, it, it'll be an interesting one. I think um, I think it'll be fun, honestly, because you have uh, I, I don't think we touched on it. Do you have either uh, no. of them in your DraftKings now? No, I don't, because I, I've and, got and honestly, in mine right now. And, and Bagarai is very affordable at $8,500. So, yeah. you know, and, and we'll see what happens. I don't have him in mind right now, but but he is yeah, affordable. He's, he's probably my back. Like if a fight drops, it's probably him I go to type of. Yeah, type of I'm in the same boat. The, the big question with Kevin is his last fight where he looked like that, that was his UFC debut. And it felt like UFC jitters. It did. His low output, like he just was always a step behind everything. And it's almost like he trained only to not get taken down. And then when it came to the striking, he was just sort of a little lost. So that is a question mark where he got that out of the way and and we'll see what he looks like now. But uh, I still think Bagrai wins. And to your point, Jacob, if there is a fight drop, I likely will try to squeeze him in my lineup. It's just a crazy card with lineups because there are so many expensive people and so many massive favorites, especially with three title fights. You always want to try to sneak somebody in who has five rounds of time to do it. Next up at UFC 261, we have Pat Sabatini versus Tristan Connolly. And we broke Pat Sabatini down a month or two ago, but his fight was canceled when his opponent had the biggest weight miss in the history of the UFC. It was something absurd, like 15 pounds or something. He is now back on the card. He has a more favorable matchup and a full training camp because last time he took that on short notice. And I think he wins this fight. I think it's a pretty straightforward win. But Jacob, I'll let you break it down and, and give us your thoughts on this. First of all, Tristan's last fight was the wildest fight you will ever see in your life against Michael uh, Pierre Pereira 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 Pajeda Pajeda. 
against yeah, Michael Pineda. Cartwheels and the flips and the uh, swirls. Just the, the back flips, the cartwheels. And listen, hats off to the Gymnastics Tristan. competition for the entire first round. And, and Tristan was almost getting caught by last time. He was just like, what is going on? And this fight, he's going from that extreme to like do it by the book, uh, Patrick Sabatini, because this guy is just technical, a great grappler. And actually, I have in my notes that they're kind of carbon copies of each other, except the, 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 the problem here is Sabatini is like the athletic version of Tristan Conley. Tristan Conley is very, very good, a very, very good grappler. But in those weird exchanges where it takes a little bit of athleticism, I think Patrick Sabatini is just going to be a little bit better. So uh, I like Patrick Sabatini. He is in my lineup. Um, I think in our breakdown, we talked about, he's just got kind of that championship mentality. He just feel when you talk, when you hear him talk in interviews, he just feels like he's like going to be that guy one day up to fight for a title. Um, and this is not going to be easy though. Cause Tristan is very, very tough of his 14 wins. I think only he only has one decision. So if he wins, it's going to be, it's going to be a bloody mess for someone. So, um, you know, but I just like Patrick Sabatini, uh, in this fight. I just think he's better, a little bit better everywhere. Um, and he's in my lineup. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely better everywhere. I completely agree. And if you watch other sort of fight breakdown channels and pick channels, people are going to pick Tristan Connolly because they are just looking at topology and reading what's on the screen and they see the win over Michelle Pajeda and they say, oh, he must be good. That is a trap. That fight was absurd. Michelle Pajeda did backflip, cartwheel, uh, all sorts of ridiculous acrobatics, completely gassed out and lost the fight. He almost won the fight while doing those ridiculous acrobatics. That is a trap. Looking at that on somebody's record and saying, oh, he beat Michelle Pajeda. Michelle Pajeda looks phenomenal. That is a trap. Pat Sabatini is a better wrestler. He's a BJJ black belt, and he's a more technical striker. And, and you worded it really well when you said uh, he's the more athletic version because he is very athletic. He's very quick. Everything he does looks easy. Like he just knows what he's doing everywhere. So I think it's a pretty straightforward win, honestly. Um, $8,800 is a lot of money, um, but but I think he gets it done. Dan, are you in that boat as well? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, Pat Sabatini should win this fight. Um, I see him dominating the fight. Um, but what I will say about Tristan Connolly is, one, he's tough as nails. Yes. That fight against Michelle Pajera, Pajera, he took that on one week's notice. So he showed up like everyone talked about how Michelle Pajera gassed out. Uh, Connolly took it on one week notice and he was the one going three rounds, you know, fresh. So I think he's one of those guys that's not the most athletic, but I think he probably trained. He owns his own gym. That's where he trains at. So he probably lives and breathes training. Um, just unfortunately for him in this matchup, he's fighting a guy who's just very athletic, very good wrestling, heavy hands, heavy top pressure. Um, Jacob, you said it well before, he, you know, he sounds like he's got that championship mindset when he talks. Um, I, one of his fights, his only, or his, his last loss, um, I don't know if you guys saw the video, but he got caught in an arm bar and it is the most, one of the most gruesome things yeah. I've ever seen. Would not tap and literally, I thought his arm snapped, you know, when you watch it, but it was dislocated. Anyways, he didn't tap. And the other guy literally broke his arm or dislocated or whatever to where it was pointing out sideways. And he just hopped off and pointed to the ref and everybody just like froze and stared at it. But anyways, my point is the guy did not tap. Um, so 
he wants to win. You can tell when he talks, he wants to win. He wants to be a champion. Um, so I think he's going to do very well in this fight. Um, I don't know though. Something about me, something about this fight. It feels like it's too much of a lock that I always get nervous with that. I think we're underestimating the toughness and some of the skills Kristen Connolly might have. Um, but a hunch is not enough to, to make a play. So I do have Patrick Sabatini in my lineup. Um, I think he's going to get at a minimum, a ton of takedowns and a decision win. Um, probably some good ground and pound. And honestly, he could get a finish if he, if he starts landing some big shots or gets his back and gets rear naked choke. So um, I think for the 8,800 bucks, not cheap, but not crazy expensive. I think it's worth it in a fight that he should dominate. This is, this is how much respect I have for Tristan. Cause I, once I realized that this was the guy that fight Michael, that, or that fought Michael in that wild fight and came back and won and showed how Michelle. tough he was. I'm like, this is my lock of the week. And then I was like, Oh no, he's fighting Pat Sabatini. <laughs> I was like, that's not good. So yeah, I try, I tried for Tristan. Cause I think he is a very, very good. And if, and if he's like found a way to just tough out a win, uh, none of us would be surprised, but I like Patrick to, to win this. There's a lot of guys who are good fighters and tough and well-rounded skills. They're just not great athletes. They never look pretty doing it, but they figure out ways to win and beat guys who, you know, the Michelle Pajares of the world who, who look awesome. Um, well, it comes easy not, to them. So right. May not have, have those intangibles. Grip. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll be, a, this will be a fun fight no matter what, because there's no quit in either one of them. They are highly skilled and they're very evenly matched as far as strengths and weaknesses. So I think this will be a fun fight. It, it'll be, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. I have no idea what to do with the significant strike line. I really don't know how I feel about that yet. We'll break that down on Saturday because it, it is a tricky line. And this is sort of saying what we're saying is they're evenly matched, but one's a little better than the other. So I, I don't know how to pick that line yet. We'll break that down on Saturday. Next up at UFC 261, we have Carl Robertson versus Brendan Allen. And for some reason, Brendan Allen's name is constantly coming up. Every week we're breaking down fights and every week somehow Brendan Allen ends up in the conversation. So this is an interesting one. He's coming off of a pretty bad loss because he decided not to grapple, not to wrestle, even though he's a grappler and a wrestler. To me, this entire fight, this line, these strikes, everything about this comes down to will Brendan Allen fight the way Brendan Allen should fight and what, what sort of got him to here, or is he going to go back to, some weird striking first game plan that hasn't worked recently. Dan, what are your thoughts? How do you see this going? And do you agree that he really needs to go back to basics here? Uh, yeah, no, I do agree. Um, yeah. And my kind of summary, it almost says exactly that, but uh, yeah, watching tape on both these guys, you know, Brendan Allen, he's three and one in the UFC. You know, you talked about it. He lost his last fight to Sean Strickland where he came out striking. I, I, I think I think he's at that point in his career where a lot of fighters get to where they really start getting good at striking and falling in love with it. And you almost fall in love with it a little too too much, especially when you're the style of fighter that he is. Uh, you know, he's a grinder. He's a wrestler. He's a scrambler. He makes it, makes it a dog fight. That's how he wins fights. He's not going to be an Anderson Silva, so... Sometimes when you're training, though, you're like, oh, man, I'm getting so good. I'm starting to feel like I, I can go three rounds striking with this guy. And I That's think he found day, out. Dan. That's me every yeah. day. I always feel that way. Woo. In the mirror after I get out of the shower. Uh, throw that jab again. Let's see it. <laughs> he throws it yeah. for real, and then you call him on it. And then that's when he just over accentuates how ridiculous it is to not right. look stupid. 
And the funny thing is, is they're both not that far off from each other. So. <laughs> yeah. They're the same picture. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I think that last fight, he just, he got a little carried away with the striking. So you, to your point, it'll be very interesting to see how he comes out in this fight. Is he going back to his old game plan or is he going to keep working on improving that striking? Um, unfortunately, against Strickland, like you said, he found out the hard way. He got beat up pretty good and he was just getting pieced up with like Nick Diaz type arm shots, but he had very little head movement, very hittable, uh, and it all accumulated and put him down. And then he got, I think he got his face broken in that fight too. Um, so yeah, it'll be, you know, if he comes out and, and grinds, I think it could be a very interesting fight. Um, then we do get to Carl, uh, Robertson. So in, in looking at, you know, his fight tape, and who he's, you know, won and lost again. So he's four and three in the UFC. His, you know, he lost his last fight to Marvin Vittori, which it's Marvin Vittori. You know, there was a ton of bad blood going into that fight. So I think that probably played into it a little bit. I mean, he looked like he, I don't want to say he quit in the first round, but it was just a wild first round of so many scrambles. And he was in there. And then all of a sudden he was just like, you know, Vittori's so good at getting on top and scrambling and just making sure he wins those positions. And I think it went back and forth so many times. Carl Robertson was between the adrenaline and everything was just like, all right, he got me type of thing. So anyways, it's Marvin Vittori. We'll, we'll kind of chalk that up as losing to, you know, potential title challenger. Um, his other losses were to Glover on short notice, a, a higher weight class and Cesar Ferreira. So, None of those are bad losses, all top level competition. Um, and I remember taping him. This is probably back when we were first sort of doing this and thinking like, oh man, this guy is good. Um, so I think he is in terms of striking, he's definitely the better striker. He bought, you know, he, he fought in glory. Um, he's very athletic, very measured striker, but he also has explosive power when he needs it. Um, but I think he's going to need to make this a striking fight to win. So, um, I'm hoping he's been working on his takedown defense. I think he still trains with Corey Anderson. So I'm assuming he gets plenty of good looks there. Um, but this fight is going to come down to styles because, uh, you know, uh, Robertson's definitely the, the more skilled fighter, I would say striker for sure. Um, he does have subs as well, but Brendan Allen is a dog and he needs to make it a dog fight to win this fight. So, um, it was a tough pick for me, but I, I think Robertson's been improving each fight, um, you know, with the exception of the last one. But prior to that, he looked like he was getting better every fight. Um, so, I, you know, I'm going to just, in a coin flip type pick, I'm going to take Robertson um, just based on being more talented, um, more skilled. And I wouldn't be surprised, though, if Brendan Allen came out and just, latched onto him, made it an ugly fight and started giving him trouble in the later rounds. That, that's what I think is going to happen. Honestly, I think so. So Carl Robertson absolutely can knock out Brendan Allen. And if Carl Robertson fights Brendan Allen, the, if Carl Robertson fights the Brendan Allen that just fought, he knocks him out. Right. I think if Brendan Allen comes out here and tries to strike and tries to stand up, and tries to fight that fight, he's going to get knocked out. He's going to get stopped. I think coming off of the knockout loss, I think he learned a big lesson, and I think he was humbled a bit, and I think he's just going to be diving at legs, shooting takedowns, and that's going to be his game plan this entire time. I don't think he's going to strike very much at all because he's 
he tasted that and he doesn't want that to happen again. Uh, I assume that's what's going to happen. I think that's going to happen. And I think at minus 130, that's actually a solid betting odds for a guy who's as good of a grappler as he is versus Carl Robinson, who whose takedown defense is not good. So I, I really think if Brendan Allen fights the way that he has fought every fight other than his last one, he blows right through Carl Robertson. But Jacob, what, what are your thoughts? How do you see it going? And, and do you feel the same way? That was impressive, Angelo. That was impressive. I agree. Well, I think with ev- literally everything that you said there, which oh, is, thank I mean, you so much. that means the, the world is probably going to end tomorrow. So. Wow. <laughs> Have you guys made it up since the live stream? It seems like everything's all I think good we again. Just did. We, we, we had a conversation. And I he think learned. we just did. I think we just, okay. we just met. Right. In the middle well, I'm happy for you, too. It's a great moment for us. <laughs> Touch my hand. Okay. All right. So. Jacob's no, I mean, right. no, no, but I, I, let me just let me just talk about it just for a second, because I have Brendan Allen in my lineup um, because I think he does just go. I think I wrote he's in my lineup. I wrote he has to grapple. The only thing that does worry me a little bit, which which Robertson will get out grappled. Glover did it. Vittoria did it. But he did re- reverse a position on Vittoria at one point in that fight. And I watched a Brendan Allen fight where he was very using his grappling a lot. And every single takedown, he got reversed. And every single takedown attempt, he ended up on his back at some point in the scramble. So there is weird situations where, where Roberson might end up on top and, and you know, it turns into a weird fight. But I, I think that Brendan Allen is good enough to just please, please use your grappling. Um, he's in my lineup and I'm hoping to get a lot of, a lot of takedowns from him. So, yeah. so, you know, what's funny is I literally kind of saw it exactly the way you guys saw it as well. And I, I wasn't going to put him in my lineup, but I had Brendan Allen as kind of my pick as, as the grinder and the dog. But I watched the fight, uh, Robertson versus Kapilov, um, and it was mostly a kickboxing match, so not true representation of what this fight should be. If oh, Robertson is an 0-3 as a professional kickboxer, yeah, well. so you know. Because I saw, yeah. I heard in one of his fights that he was a former <laughs> kickboxer. I was like, oh, maybe he's like one of those guys that's like 60-2 and two as a kickboxer. You know, some people have like those wild kickboxing backgrounds. So I looked, <laughs> I saw 0-3. I was like, oh. That's like uh, what's his name being the uh, the most accurate striker in middleweight history. <laughs> Kevin Holland, Kevin baby. Holland. <laughs> stats man. Depending on how you slice them up, Al- can... Brendan Allen beat Kevin Holland, so I think he's the best. Yeah, MMA math. No, so but in that fight against Kapilov, um, first of all, he went three rounds. The first two rounds were mostly a kickboxing match, so okay, not the same style fight. But in the third round, he got poked in the eye, and literally he was up two rounds. They took a point away from the other guy. He could have just been like. Yeah, no, I'm good. And he went back out and fought. And the other guy obviously went for broke against him, shot a takedown, got on top, and, and finished the fight, at, you know, uh, in dominant fashion. So I, I just felt like that was the fight where he showed three-round cardio. He showed some wrestling. He had some good fight IQ later in the round. Um, so I'm kind of hoping that we're going to see, you know, in a, it evolving – Carl Robertson uh, in this fight, um, but we'll see. It could go exactly the way you guys said, and Brendan Allen just outdogs him right out of the gates. Well, Nick isn't with us because he's uh, training for a fight, and he's in full fight camp, and he'll be fighting in a couple of months. We just can't announce against who yet, but he picked Carl Robertson as well. So he thinks Carl Robertson's striking will be enough. And in his he, lineup? And he doesn't know. He didn't send me his lineup yet. He just oh. sent me his picks. Uh, oh, and he just doesn't. He's going to watch the show first tomorrow, and all of a sudden his lineup Nicholas. will come in. 
Wow. Him and I are riding high off last week, so we'll see what happens. But anyway, you guys probably like have a side thing. Like, all right, uh, we'll split the money. You don't (laughs) submit your lineup. The two professional fighters on this show both picked Carl Robertson, both picked the underdog. I think they're nuts, but we'll see what happens. This this could be an interesting fight. Next up at UFC 261, we have Dwight Grant for Stefan Sekulik. And this is another interesting fight. Another decent matchup. Dwight Grant is coming off of a nasty knockout loss. He was winning. He should have gotten his own KO. He blew his wad, ran out of gas, and got knocked out. Do you think he's learned his lesson, Daniel? And do you think he wins this fight? Um, so this is a tough fight to predict for a couple of reasons. So let's start with uh, Sekulik. Sekulich, is that how you say it? Yeah, start with the USADA suspension. Well, that's what I was going to say. He's coming um, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's own one of his traps, UFC. too. What's that? said all that steroids were his traps, apparently. <laughs> wow, this is funny. These pictures are both, I mean, Dwight Grant, I mean, that the way he stands is like fully representative of kind of how awkward his style is, the way he moves and, and strikes. Um and then, yeah, uh, Sekulich, yeah, definitely doing those, those what are they, shoulder, the shrugs Drugs. in the gym? Yeah. Jacob, you know all about that. I know uh, the gym. Yeah. Um, anyways, so Sekulich is only one UFC, but his last fight was 2018. He's coming off of a two-year USADA suspension. So um, you just never know what you're going to get when you get a guy, A, coming off a two-year layoff, and B, from a USADA suspension, two-year layoff alone is a tough thing to come back from, but if he was taking something and now he's not, um, that's got to be tough to deal with both physically and mentally. So um, that is definitely a concern and a risk. Um, He's priced at $7,000 though. So he's definitely dirt cheap. Um, From what I saw in the fight he had before suspension, you know, he lost to Ramazan Amiv via unanimous decision he looked like a pretty good striker. He was out of Luto Livre, um, looked to be kind of more of a counter striker, move backwards, but like almost like Anderson Silva type foot movement and hips and just the way he kind of moved. Um, and he looked pretty well-rounded, you know. He, he got hurt a few times by Ameev, but uh, he did get some takedowns. He also got taken down. So it looked like a competitive fight, um, and he looked pretty well-rounded. But again, two-year layoff. Who knows what he's going to look like now. So then we go to Dwight Grant. He's two and two in the UFC. His last fight, he lost to Daniel Rodriguez by knockout after, like you said, almost finishing the fight uh, within the first minute and a half or so. Um, He's 36 years old. So, you know, he's not old, but he's definitely not young. And it's weird because when I was watching tape on him, he almost looks unathletic at first glance, like he's off balance or something. Um, But he's actually very athletic when you start seeing him throw some shots, he's explosive, powerful. He's just got very awkward movement. He throws weird angles. He's got weird footwork. He kind of like hobbles around a little bit. Um, so it's obviously a very tough style to train for. Um, so, you know, between these two with the kind of unknown of, uh, of what we're going to see out of Sekulik when he comes back, um, I'm going to pick Grant as the more active fighter with definitely the finishing uh, explosive power. 
but who knows? I wouldn't be surprised really with anything in this fight. Um, but my pick is Grant. I don't have it in my lineup. Um, <clears throat> significant strikes. Again, Dwight Grant could go out and starch him, and they could could be one strike to nothing, um, or it could be a scrap. So uh, probably not touching that on on any platform. Yeah, I would. Um, you know, I, I think this is a, a grappler versus striker matchup, right? I think we have the Dwight Grant's a striker. Stefan Sekulik is the grappler. Uh, I would hit the under on the significant strike line because if Sekulik imposes his will and grapples, he's not going to throw a ton. And, you know, Dwight Grant could definitely put him away. I agree. I mean, he popped for straight up steroids. It was actual steroids. It wasn't like, you know, a banned substance that could be masking. It was straight up steroids is what he popped for two years off. If he's been spending his whole career doing that and now he's not doing it anymore, I mean, you're right. He, he may just fall flat in his face, look like a different human being and just not know what's going on. So it is a really tough one to pick. I would never spend $9,200 um, and I would not touch a, a, I would not touch second look at 7,000. So I don't have either one of these in my lineup. Um, I will hit the, the monkey knife fight line. I do like the under on both of these because like I said, Whoever imposes their will, I don't think they'll get over 40 strikes or over 26 strikes. But Jacob, what are your thoughts? How do you see it going? When you cycled off steroids, did it really affect you or, you know, your beard turned red and that was the end of it? It's nice. Yeah, it's nice. To it, I was going to say he used to have brown hair. <laughs> it's nice to have my balls back. I'll tell you that. It's nice to have the ball back. But uh, when, I, when, I, when, the, when I see Dwight Grant, the first thing I don't think is unathletic because Dan said, you know, I, I see Dwight Grant. I see unathletic. Look at that man. He is not unathletic. I'll tell you that. Did you hear Did you actually listen to what I said? I said, at first glance, he almost looks unathletic, but then I realized he's actually very athletic. Look so at that went, man, Dan. There is nothing unathletic about that man. Lord, I'll tell you that right now. Back with the and, pictures again. And, and, and Sekulik as well, I don't think you label him as a grappler. I think he's a decent striker as well. I think he's, he can grapple, but I don't think that's his entire game plan. Uh, Dan mentioned, it, I think he's got a great counter. And I think the only way he wins this fight is if he can just kind of weather the storm and try to catch a counter late, because what we're forgetting with Dwight Grant is he also is one of those AKA guys. So I assume he's got that takedown defense. He doesn't show a lot of wrestling, but when he does have AKA, good takedown defense. What's that? He does have good takedown defense. Yeah, I mean, AKA, I mean, that's that's just what they're known for. So I assume he does have good takedown defense, even if he hadn't shown it. Um, so I, I like him to be able to withstand the takedowns and and get a shot. But I'm worried if it, if you know if if Sekuli Sekeli, if it, if it keeps going the distance, I'm worried about him being able to catch a counter late. So um, we'll see what happens. But I like uh, Dwight Grant to win this fight. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, we all like him to win. Nick does as well. I, just not at this price. Ninety two hundred dollars is so much money. That's a ton of money. That that should be, that that's like the favorites in the three title fights. Is ninety two hundred dollars not you know. much for so much uncertainty? Yep, I completely agree. I am pretty certain about this significant strike line though. Um, so hit up the URL, deposit using promo code WWP, and hit the under on both of these because I genuinely. Uh, I think there's a stoppage here, um, and I don't think it's going to take 40 strikes to get there. Next up at UFC 261, we have Alex Cowboy Oliveira versus Randy Brown. And every time we break down a Cowboy Oliveira fight, we talk about how similar it is to a Kelvin Gastelum fight. All the talent in the world, but is he going to show up? And I'm really hoping Cowboy shows up. He's in my lineup. 
He is better than Randy Brown at literally everything except the mental aspect. And we just don't know if he's going to fight or not. And that's the biggest question. So Dan, do you think Cowboy shows up? Again, who knows, but it's funny you said that because you're like, oh, he's like Kelvin Gassam. I, I almost said Mike Perry when I was like kind of like jotting things down about him, right? Like he's got all the talent in the world. And when he shows up, he can beat anybody. But then other days he'll come out and lose the guys that he has. They have no business even being in there with him. So uh, you never know what you're going to get. I will say he was on a pretty good run until his last fight. He got guillotined, um, which I mean, guillotine anybody could get caught and you make a mistake. So I'm anticipating he's going to come in ready for this fight. Um, no real reasoning behind that other than kind of hoping and just assuming he is. Um, I mean, listen, the guy's got a tremendous amount of UFC experience. He's fought everybody. Great guys. He's fought everybody. Um, he's got skills everywhere. I mean, you said it, he's, he's better everywhere. I think, I mean, the only area where Randy, Randy Brown, may have an edge, and I don't even think he does, is, you know, the striking, the athletic striking. But, I mean, to be honest, they're very similar styles, right? Like, they're both hand low, loose, fluent, very athletic, explosive shots. It was kind of interesting watching tape on both of them. They're very, very similar. I would just say Oliveira's got, A, more experience, and B, uh, more polished skills. So, assuming he comes in shape and ready to fight, um, I'm taking him, especially uh, as the underdog. Um, I don't have him in my lineup again because of that uncertainty. So, um, but he would be my pick. And over under strikes. Those lines are difficult, man. They're every yeah. single time they're so hard. I I mean, yeah, it's you got to decide whether it's going to be a slugfest or not, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll get back to you on Saturday. I got to dig into that one a little bit. That's a tough one to call. Those strike lines are difficult. So, Jacob, you're pointing to the sky. I'm assuming you're saying take the over on both. So you think it's an absolute back and forth war? Because I'll tell you right now, just to set the stage, a, a lot of you and, and before we went live with the monkey knife fight stuff, we did our research. We put our time in to sort of understand what do significant strikes look like in a fight? How many actually are there? 50 in a three round fight is a lot. Like that's a lot. That's a good amount. So you're pointing up. You think even at a pretty high number, he's going to throw more than that. I do. I, I think that, I think this is a, uh, I think this is a slug fest. I, I see, I see Randy Brown as the Kevin Holland of the 170 division. Very, very long, very, very tall, a, a good striker in and out. Uh, I think that uh, Alex has to make this a dirty fight. I think he has to get in his face, just like how you would fight Kevin Holland. Because if you let him use his distance, he's probably going to pick uh, Alex apart. But if Alex gets in there, makes it dirty, gets him against the cage, I think that's where you could see a lot of the significant strikes start piling up when they're in there, hitting the body shots. Um, you know, So I, I think that Alex can win this fight if he makes it dirty. That's why Randy Brown is not going to make it in my lineup. Um, but I think with Randy Brown's length, and I think he is just a, a little bit sharper striker, and with that length, he's going to be able to keep – uh, Alex at bay. So I think he wins a fight, but um, he's not in my lineup. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I, I told you Cowboys in my lineup, $7,500. I just, he has all the talent in the world. He can win. He should win. So uh, him well, he being, shouldn't win. He's not the favorite. Well, that's what I'm saying. He, I was just about to say him being the underdog is interesting because he should win this fight. He's better everywhere. He's the more talented fighter. He's a little inconsistent, but to Dan's point, even in his last fight, 
he looked really good and got caught in a guillotine and was winning before that. So, and, and let's talk, and let's talk about Brandy Brown's losses too. Cause he's not like a almost 500 fighter. I mean, he lost to Vicente Luque, Nico price below Muhammad, you know, Michael Graves. I mean, those are his four losses. So, I mean, those are not slouches that he's losing to. Um, and against Bilal, he looked good at, at times. So um, yeah, I think he's a better striker than, than Alex. It's definitely interesting. What's funny about Randy Brown too. I think he was one of like the first people ever to do the, uh, get a fight with the Dana White or whatever that show was looking for a fight. The Dana White oh, show. Yeah, yeah. He was that. one of the first people ever. And when I remember when it was just me and Dan competing against each other in DraftKings, like five, six years ago, I did the whole thing. And I'm like, the UFC loves these Dana White people. They give them the best matchups. And I won that week by drafting Randy Brown and just riding that whole, the UFC must love him. They put him in this whole thing. But I'm picking against him tonight. I'm going without. That was probably the last time you beat me, right? Five years ago. That's yeah. I'll have to check my Venmo from Saturday, and I'll check your lineup from this past Saturday because I must be mistaken. Wow. We'll just look at your. What's it like to get Venmo incoming for the first time? And we'll just look at your total points from from the other day and and, uh, go from there. So anyway, I do think Angela paid the refs to uh, to stop all the fights and screw all decisions up. It's all right. So. I'm going Cowboy. Jacob's going Randy. So we'll see what happens. This will be an interesting one. Next up at UFC 261, we have the always fun, sometimes has his teeth, Anthony Smith versus Jimmy Crew. And this is a pretty straightforward fight, in my opinion. Uh, the big question mark is how tough is Anthony Smith? That guy is willing to die out there. He's willing to lose his teeth. We've seen that before. But I think Glover sort of really showed the world how to beat Anthony Smith. And Jim Crute has that skill set, grappler, wrestler. That is the exact way to beat Anthony Smith. I imagine that's how this is going to go. But Jacob, what are your thoughts? Do you think Anthony Smith can stuff these takedowns and do what he needs to do? Yeah, unfortunately for Anthony Smith, when I saw that he was going to be on this card, I knew kind of whoever he was fighting was going to be my DraftKings lineup because you know, he is tough and he's not going to be an easy out. Uh, but especially when I saw the that he was going to be up against the wrestling of, of Jimmy Crute, that, that's when I knew for sure that Jimmy Crute is in my lineup. Um, Anthony Smith is tough. I think he's got decent takedown defense um, against like, a, you know, normal wrestlers. I think he can do OK. He's got all that fight experience, so he knows what he's supposed to be doing. I think he struggles against wrestlers. I have really good transitions. You saw that against Glover. I mean, instantly, you know, side control then to full mount. I mean, he was just transitioning so well. Uh, against Anthony Smith. I see, I see Jimmy um, doing the exact same thing. I think that Jimmy's striking is underrated if Anthony were to, to stuff some takedowns. Um, I think that, that Jimmy could still you know, find a way to win it on his feet if he had to, but I don't think he's going to have to. Uh, I think he gets the takedowns he needs, and I think he might not get a finish, um, but at $8,900, you know, it would be nice to get a finish, but Anthony Smith is you know, very, very, very tough, and he has all this experience. And he does get weird submissions sometimes, you know, against a grappler. Anthony Smith is very good with his submission. So that's one thing that, you know, kind of watch out for. But I think Jimmy Critt is, is so good and um, everywhere that he's going to get the takedowns. He'll win this fight and uh, he's in my lineup. And, yeah, these, and, uh, every- I'll, and I'll tell you, too, these significant strikes are, are wild because you, you look at these initially and you're like, oh, well, I mean, I'll take the over on that, obviously. But if Jimmy Crute just turns us into a, you know, because Anthony Smith off his back is dangerous. So Jimmy Crute, or Jimmy Crute, it might turn into a lot of just control instead of because, you know, instead, when you start chasing finishes, that's when you lose control. You get out of position. So it might be a lot of control. And this, these significant strikes might be a little bit closer than you, than you uh, realize. I, I find that those lines are pretty spot on. 
Um, and in this case, I, I agree with you. I, what I do think is say is people forget how good Anthony Smith is, is on, on the ground. Like he is very good on the ground. His, his jujitsu is sneaky and it's good. And everybody just only thinks of him as a striker. And I would argue his, his jujitsu is better than his striking and his striking is not bad. It's just not very technical. He, he does have power. He doesn't land when he needs to, but he, he's kind of loopy and, and a little sloppy at times. But I just think this is so straightforward. Jimmy crew is such a good wrestler and grappler that I just don't see Anthony Smith winning. I don't see him pulling off a submission, but, but Dan, let me know what, what you think and, and let me know if I'm wrong. No. Yeah. I think, listen, I think Anthony Smith is one of those kind of kill or be killed type fighters. Um, and unfortunately in this matchup, like you said, I think he's just outmatched and I, I think he's going to get dominated, but he's the sort of guy who, has been dominated in many fights and figure out, figures out a way to win. So um, I'm not going to make any bets on that. I'm not going to assume that's going to happen, but you know, he has notoriously as an underdog figured out a way to win against guys who have been beating him up the entire fight. So, um, you know, my pick, I think it's pretty straightforward. I think Kroot will win the fight. He should dominate, but I mean, you, you can never really can't count Anthony Smith out. Um, I just think this is going to be a tough one for him. So that's, that's, that's my favorite part about Anthony Smith is, is that you can't count him out mentality. I actually, I remember when he fought John Jones, I legit thought that he had a chance to get launched against John Jones, just because he's, he's so tough. He's so durable that he would just find a way to either catch John or, or do something weird. So, yeah, I love Anthony Smith as far as that is what you're talking about. Yeah. His, and to your point, Angelo too, his jujitsu is sneaky good too. Like, he knows that this that crew is going to probably end up on top of him at some point. I'm sure he's training his jujitsu. So he, he's got finishing capabilities from really everywhere, even bad positions. So um, he's always a little bit live, but yeah, I don't know. My pick is crew. Yeah. And crew to my lineup too at 8,900 bucks. It's, it's a lot of money, but I just, I think this is as close to a lock as you're going to get. Um, and, and I think he scores a good amount of points doing it with the takedowns. Uh, and as far as the, the significant strike lines, we talked about this before. The, these are usually pretty solid. Um, in this case, I will take the over on Anthony Smith and the under on Jimmy Crute, only because I think Anthony Smith knows he's going to get taken down to your point, And I think he's going to throw hard and fast while he's standing and get those numbers up and try to make Jimmy Crute pay on his way in. And then I think Jimmy Crute will, will get the takedown and sort of control him and then you know, reset again in round two, reset again in round three. I don't think he can put Anthony Smith away. I hope he does. He's in my lineup, but that's what I would do. So I would head over to playmkf.com slash we want picks, throw in the WWP promo code, double my money, and I would hit the over on Anthony Smith and the under on Jimmy Crew. Next up at UFC 261, we have a rematch, like 15 years in the making. We have Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman, in what is honestly a really hard fight to pick. DraftKings doesn't think so. DraftKings thinks Uriah Hall's a pretty big favorite, a $400 favorite. The significant strike line has it much closer, and the odds are dead even. I think this is a pretty even fight. If you put resumes aside, if you put resumes, you know, if resumes are a fact, this is a one-sided beating. If you take resumes out of it and you look at their, their recent history and what's been happening the last year or two, this is a close fight. So, Jacob, I'll go to you. What are your thoughts here? Uh, Chris Weidman won the first time they fought many years ago. Do you think he wins again? 
Yeah, I think that was what 10, 11 years it's ago. It's a so. long before yeah, the UFC. So I, don't, I don't think any of that matters, but I actually like Chris Weidman in this fight, uh, surprisingly, because you know, there was there was a time where it was like, why you almost thought like just give it up, man. Like, why are you still fighting? He he tried to make that move to light heavyweight, didn't look good. Um, but it was very interesting after his last fight, he moved back down um to middleweight. Um, he wasn't happy with his performance, but you could just tell in that, in that post-fight interview, the relief of, of finally getting that win. He felt he, he talked about how it, it just seemed like there was so much pressure that was lifted off him. Like, okay, I can still do this. It wasn't the fight. I, he, he talked about it wasn't the fight that he thought he was going to fight, but he found a way to win. And, and that relief, I feel like that Chris Weidman that we know can come back. And I think that he just comes out, uses wrestling and dominates his fight. I, I think, um, you know, Uriah, is a very good striker. He has his own um, grappling of his own um, actually against Costa. I think he was out striking Costa at times. So, you know, if Weidman tries to stand and bang, we've seen, you know, he can get knocked out and it's not going to be a good situation. But I think Chris Weidman back, he moved back down to middleweight, had success. I think that was a big relief for him. And I think he's back to um, going to grapple his way to a victory. So I actually, he didn't make it in my lineup, but this is another one where, if there's some fight drops and I'm looking at around $8,000, you know, I, I think I would put Christmas Chris Weidman in my lineup, but he's not in it right now, but I, I like him to win this fight. Yeah. Chris Weidman's not in my lineup either. I, I actually would like him to be a little cheaper. <laughs> so I, I think he wins the fight also. And that's not an easy pick to make. This is a very, you know, he has not looked great recently. So obviously he's coming off a win. It was kind of an ugly win. Uh, he gets hit a lot later in his career for some reason. And his chin is gone. So he's getting hit more often and has less tolerance to get hit, which is not a good combination. And Uriah Hall can put anybody out. He just put out Anderson Silva. So, or, you know, he just beat Anderson Silva. So I just, it's a tricky one to pick, but here, here's my thing. I, Uriah Hall is notoriously slow with low output, but he does have big power. I think Chris Weidman is going to do everything possible to not get hit grapple 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 and if that's a game plan he will win so i'm picking him to win he's not in my lineup because honestly 7900 is more than i'd like to spend but if we're looking at these monkey knife fight lines uh i'm gonna go the under on uriah hall and the over on chris weidman because uriah hall doesn't have a lot of volume he just doesn't and if he knocks out chris weidman it's not going to take 36 strikes to do it and i think chris weidman will take him down and just boom, 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 boom. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And, and those will add up. So uh, that, that's my assessment. I'm pretty confident in that. But, you know, uh, a, a knockout at any point for Uriah Hall would not be surprising because Grideman's chin is just gone. But, Dan, what are your thoughts? How do you see this going? And do you agree with that assessment? Um, yeah, I agree with most of it. I, um, I have Weidman. I think Weidman's going to win the fight. And I think the way he's going to do that is, like you said, wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. Um, you know, Uriah Hall is a, a good uh, jujitsu guy, but I just think, you know, Weidman is also a good jujitsu guy and good enough to not get submitted unless he gets caught in something tricky. But I just think he's going to be relentless with the takedowns. Um, and that's his path to victory. I don't think he's going to want to strike with Uriah Hall. Um, and, and the reason I think he'll be able to do that is, you know, when I was watching tape on on Uriah, you know, he got taken down by Antonio Carlos Zapato, trains on American Top Team, who's a very good wrestler, very good jujitsu guy as well. Um, I think he won a split decision in that fight. But he got taken down, you know, pretty easily in that fight. And 
Zapato's a great jujitsu guy and a good wrestler, but Weidman is a great wrestler um, and a pretty good jujitsu guy. So I think he negates the jujitsu, but I think the wrestling is what wins it for him. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are knocking him because of his losses lately and getting knocked out. I mean, the guy bumped up to 205. It's not an easy, I mean, that's a 20 pound swing and those guys are cutting from, you know, 235. So, and he fought, you know, he fought Dominic Reyes. He fought Jacare Souza, you know, three years ago when he was younger. Um, so I, I just think, you know, Weidman is an ex-champion. He's still hungry. He's still motivated. I think the wrestling is going to be what wins wins him this fight. Um, and I do have him in my lineup right now at the 7,900. Um, I just don't know if he's going to score a ton of points. So if there's somebody I flip out, it might be him. Um, but right now I do have him in my lineup for 7,900 bucks. To your point, I wish he was a little cheaper. Um, then it would be a no brainer, but for now I have him in there. I hope he gets a ton of takedowns and, uh, and ground and pound points. Yeah. And I'm definitely going to, when we do our betting guide on Saturday, I'm definitely going to bet him at minus minus one ten. I'll bet him at any plus number, obviously, and anything, anything, uh, more affordable than minus minus one fifty, I'll take him because, you know, I think it's, I, I think he wins and I think it's a good line. Um, you know, obviously he last fight too. I was just looking at, I'm looking at his record right now. and rem- remembering the fight. Now people knocked him in that Omari Akhmedov fight. It was a sloppy, you know, they're both tired, but Omari Akhmedov is, is good. He's tough. Good yeah. solid wrestling, good power. Like that was a good legit win that he eked out after, you know, a couple knockouts in a row. Like that's not an easy comeback fight after two knockouts no. bumping down a weight class. So um, I think we're going to see an improved Chris Weidman in this fight. That's what I'm hoping for. He's one of my favorite fighters. I, I, I always root for him. So I'm, I'm hoping he wins. He's not in my lineup, but if things shift, that may change. Next up at UFC 261, we have the first of three title fights. We have Valentino Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade in what is a sneaky close fight. This is much closer than DraftKings will tell you. It's much closer than the odds makers will tell you. And looks like Monkey Knife Fight got it right. They recognize that Jessica Andrade has high volume output. They recognize that Shevchenko's the champ and should win and probably will win. And their line is pretty solid. But the DraftKings line is kind of far apart and the odds are pretty far apart. With that being said, Valentina Shevchenko is in my DraftKings lineup uh <laughs> i think she's a guaranteed win for the most part but this is a close fight it really is jessica andrade is not a slouch she comes forward a ton of volume and makes things happen and and she's probably and i'm going to contradict myself here over the next few fights but she's probably one of the better tighter challengers on the night right if you're looking at her if you're looking at rose if you're looking at jorge masvidal Jessica Andrade is probably the one closest to winning, but we'll talk about that in the next few fights. But you're shaking your head, Jacob, so I'm not going to you next. Dan, what are your thoughts? How do you see this going? I mean, I imagine you think Valentina wins, but but what are your thoughts here? Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with most of what you said. I think I just wish she was cheaper than 9500 bucks because <laughs> I also have her in my lineup. I'm going to spend the 9500 bucks. Um, I, I do think though, early on, you know, uh, Andrade's aggression and just, I mean, the way she picks people up and slams them, like 
there's no nobody can really defend that. Like that is just pure power and strength early in the fight. And, and she's very good. She's aggressive. She comes forward. But I just think Valentina Shevchenko is on a different level skill wise in terms of striking and just overall ability. Um, I think she's got underrated grappling abilities. And I think she's going to piece her up on the feet. I think early on it'll be competitive. And I think as the fight gets further, uh, you know, into the later round, she's going to just really start pouring on more punches. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if she got a finish to be honest. Um, but I think she's going to get a ton of DraftKings points, especially over five rounds. So I'm going to pay the 9,500 bucks, which it was like 9,100, but I'm going to pay the 9,500 bucks for her. Um, in a five round fight that I think she's going to win and whether it be by decision or finish should be a ton of points. So um, interesting fight, but yeah, I got Shevchenko. So it, I think we're all, we're all going to be on the same page, but, but I'll let you go, Jacob, but real quick, the significant strike line is interesting because Valentina does not have a lot of output to start. Like she sort of warms up as she goes, but she also doesn't get hit very often. So that will like negatively affect Jessica Andrade's stats, right? If she's hard to hit and you're not landing the significant strikes, doesn't matter how busy Jessica is. They're not connecting. They're not counting. So that makes that line really interesting. But what are your thoughts, Jacob? How do you see this going? And did you put either one of them in your lineup? Yeah, 9,500 or 9,000. It, it doesn't matter. She's going to win the fight. Uh, I think that she's definitely, I think she's the second most dominant champion that the UFC has behind Nunes, who ironically you beat Shevchenko twice. I mean, that's how ridiculous Nunez is. So I think she's just so, so dominant. You got to remember too, Jessica Andrade, a lot of her success was at straw weight where she was able to just kind of bully people around. She's now coming up in weight. Um, you know, I just don't think that she can't bully people at this weight class that she could. Um, and she definitely cannot bully uh, Shevchenko. Shevchenko, I think people see her as like a phenomenal kickboxer striker, but her judo and, and wrestling is, is awesome as well. It'll be interesting if Andrade does have a weird scramble where she puts Shevchenko on her back because we never really see Shevchenko on her back except, you know, against Nunes. So, you know, if she can get in that position to where, you know, Shevchenko's on her back, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Shevchenko reacts. It hasn't, you know, it's been a while since that's happened. Um, but I just like Shevchenko just way better everywhere. Um, and I think at $9,500, I think everyone should have her in, uh, in the lineup. And I actually like the, the over on both these strikes. Cause I think Adraj is tough and, and they're both, I think they'll both turn into a high volume fight. Um, I think Shashenko normally she's been going to the ground a lot more. I think she tries to keep this more on the feet. Um, so I think there's a lot of volume there and I like the over for or the, the more, I guess, um, for both of those lines there. Well, Jacob, if you like the more that much, you could go to playmkf.com slash we want picks deposit up to a hundred dollars get an instant match put the over on both of these and triple your money because that's what happens when you hit one of these prop games you get triple your money you gotta tell them too on the match there's no gimmicks where you have to then bet instant money it's yours right then and there to use immediately Right. And you don't have to, you want to be a week. You don't have to play, you know, 10 times the amount that you put in or whatever, like some yeah. of uh, some of the sites have. And let's just say Andrade was a champion, but she was the it was wasn't that the like the fluke champion because Rose was piecing her up and then she dropped Rose on her head and, and won the title. So that was a weird. And then Rose, Rose won actually, the rematch. Yeah. yeah. Rose lost the belt and then uh, she, she actually lost the belt. Andrade did away Lee. So now Rose is fighting for a belt that she technically really should have even lost in the first place. So it's a weird kind of dynamic on this card that's going on. Yeah. And, and you know, th th this, this is closer than the odds makers say it is 
We all think Shevchenko will win, as I imagine almost everybody outside of Jessica Andrade's family does. But it will still be very fun. Both of these women are in fun fights. And that's where these these monkey knife fights, and I know we're pushing it hard right now, and that's not, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to be a shill here, but that Shameless is plug. Where, but that is where the monkey knife fight strike lines are fun because there's not odds. You triple your money, and you know it's tricky to pick, but I can triple my money on this fight. And unless I want to risk an absolute fortune on Shevchenko, there's really no other way to triple your money in sort of a safe, straightforward, logical manner. So anyway, this will be fun. I enjoy both of these women every time they go out there. And uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting my $9,500 worth. Next up at UFC 261, we have the second title fight of the evening with Li Zhang versus Rose Namajunas. And Whaley is coming off of one of the most exciting title fights I have ever seen in the UFC. Rose is always down to bang. Very technical, but also lives up to her nickname, Thug. This is an interesting one. There's been a lot more trash talk than usual coming from Rose, which could be good, could be bad. I'll tell you right now, I do have Rose in my lineup, but I'll break that down in a minute. Dan, what are your thoughts? How do you see this fight going? So, yeah, I think this is going to be a very good fight. I think uh, Whaley Zhang is going to win, but I think early on it's going to be very competitive. I think uh, Rose is a very, very skilled striker. They're both very skilled strikers, right? Um, and to your point, uh, Whaley Zhang uh, against Joanna, I mean, that was an unbelievable fight. I thought Joanna won that fight. I'm a little biased, ATT, but but trying to remove my, my biases, uh I still think she won the fight. It was, you know, split decision, but I, I think this fight probably will be close like that early till the third round, fourth round. Um, I think at that point, Whaley Zhang, Zhang is going to take over. Um, and I think, I think Rose might get a little tired. You know, we've seen her get tired in, in some fights. Um, whereas uh, Whaley is just nonstop. Like that fifth round, they were still, banging so um i i have rose in my DraftKings lineup she's uh 7200 bucks i think this will go five rounds i think she'll get a ton of points uh i don't think she'll win the fight but i think for 7200 bucks i think she's worth it so out of the uh, you know out of the three title fights i've got two i've got the expensive shevchenko I've got the value uh, Rose pick. So uh, I think it's going to be a fun, exciting fight. Hopefully a lot of points and a lot of action and it goes five rounds and, and Rose is competitive. Yeah, it's definitely. So I told you I had Rose in my lineup. $7,200 is, is a solid price. It's definitely scary though, because Whaley is awesome. Awesome. Crazy, powerful, crazy, tough, good everywhere. I mean, she's definitely the strongest woman in that division. So it, it's scary. It is scary picking against her or drafting against her. But to your point, I also think that Joanna won that fight. Uh, honestly, she lost because of the hematoma on her head just was not a good look for those judges. But I do think Joanna won that fight. Rose beat Joanna. MMA math is stupid. But Rose and Joanna have not a similar style, but are, are similar. They're, they're closer to each other than either one of them are to Whaley. And I think Rose puts up a good showing. I don't know if she can win because Whaley is just an absolute beast. 
but I think Rose should have a good showing. I think she should put up some decent points. She'll at the very least be very durable. So I went with Rose at $7,200. I needed that space to afford Shevchenko, who's just so freaking expensive, and a few other favorites that I had. But Jacob, what are your thoughts here? And what do you think of Rose sort of denouncing communism and, and all of these things that are way out of character for her? Yeah, that's that's what kind a of loaded almost... question for Jacob. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. he's Rask red. Yeah, how do you is? feel, how do you feel about the relationship between the communism. U.S. government and the Chinese right. government? Who'd you vote for, Jake? <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, Angelo brought me to my point. That's honestly what scares me about Rose. I, I used to love Rose. I still have nothing against Rose, but I love Rose as that silent assassin. When you saw her fight Joanna for the first time, she didn't say a word. She was just like emotionless like a robot went in there did the job finished her and since then you hear rumors whether they're true or not dana's talked about how she didn't like being the champion she didn't like the pressure of becoming the champion she's since said you know i love fighting i want to be a champion again there was the weird stuff with the, when the connor threw this thing through the bus she was like it like took her off guard she couldn't fight because it, she was traumatized so there's weird stuff going on and then this week she talks about you know the chinese stuff and she now she's feeling like she's like fighting for america it just it's all a big turnoff to me. And Wei Li, I absolutely love Wei Li. There's a video on YouTube called Wholesome and Silly Moments with Wei Li. And if you don't watch that video and absolutely fall in love with Wei Li after you watch that, I don't know, you're just a heartless person because she is like the funniest, just super cool person I've ever seen. She is a dog that looks like she has a black lab. I have a black lab. I'm not sure if it was. Her dog's name is Fedor. Um, there's just so many cool moments like that, uh, where she's just like a normal person. Um, and one Relax. thing that I, and one thing that I noticed too, um, that I watched the embedded that it was just released. Her coach said that she is such like an assassin in the training room and in her fights that she wants to beat the person at their own game. That's what she loves doing is going out. I can win the fight, my game, but I want to make sure I beat them at their own game. And I think what's going to happen in this fight is people forget how good of a grappler that Rose is. She's a very, very good grappler. I think that Wei Li is going to go shoot and takedowns and try and submit Rose is my, is my uh, guess there. And I think that she can do it because she's that good uh, everywhere. So I like Wei Li uh, to win this fight. I thought about putting Rose in my lineup for the value, but there's just so many weird things going on that you hear about that. You know, I just don't know if she's going to be all there for this fight or maybe try too hard. And, and Wei Li's just way, way, way too good. And it's crazy. She, she lost her pro debut and won 21 fights in a row. That's insane. That's crazy. So I, I just love her as a person. Um, and I love her in this fight. I love the matchup for Henan Barrow is another person who did that lost his pro debut and then won 20 something in a row became the champ. And it just, it was, it was nuts. So you have valid points. Rose has always been a bit of an odd duck. So, you know, some of that stuff, you know, it, like she's always been a bit off and she's had a, a, a troubled childhood and a troubled life and, you know, things happen. But anyway, I, I do think it's scary picking against Wei Lee. I'm not saying Wei Lee's not going to win this fight. I'm just saying at $7,200, I'm going to get my money's worth out of Rose. And that allows me to get some of these giant favorites like Kamaru Uzma. So next up at UFC 261, we have the main event of the evening, the rematch of the year, Kamaru Uzman versus Jorge Masvidal in what, could be a ton of fun or could be an incredibly boring fight. This could go either direction. And it's really going to come down to what does Kamaro Usman decide to do? So at $9,400, he is in my lineup. He's very expensive, which is why I needed to grab a couple of, of 
affordable underdogs. But this is a rematch. We all saw how the first one went. Jorge Masvidal did not have a full training camp. He took it on, I forget what it was, a week's notice, a week and a half notice, something to that effect. He was obviously training, but it wasn't training camp. Dan, how much of a factor do you think that is? So realistically, with a full training camp. You're talking about the first fight or or now? Just just as, as a whole. So realistically, you just have much- to watch. You just have to watch one video to know it's a factor. He put he put up a video showing how awful that weight cut is. You can you can look at it. You can just watch the whole process yeah. of all the weight he cut Forget down. Forget the weight cut. The weight cut sucks. I mean, but but George. if you if you watch that video and don't think that a full camp's going to make a difference, I'm not saying you know I'll let Dan do his analysis. But I mean, a full camp's got to make a difference. If you watch that of video, of course, like, yeah, yes. no, a full camp always makes a difference. Well, uh, and my question you know, was going to be like, what percentage do you think he's fifty percent better, twice as good? Like what? What is there something tangible to a full camp or is I mean, there's always depending on the circumstances, it, it always, you know, timing, if you've been training and all that. But I would say the percentage is very high in, in terms of how much you improve both physically and mentally having a full training camp for somebody. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it could be a hundred. It could be double. You know, it could be it, it's it's a big factor to have a training camp, have time to prepare, get mentally ready for the fight. Um, you know, in the last fight, to be honest, like he took it on very, very short notice. He went five rounds, you know, he won some of the striking exchanges and, you know, if he didn't get tired, things could have been a little interesting. I mean, you know, with that being said, you know, Usman has looked super impressive lately. He's like, Every fight, he seems to be getting better. His striking is getting better. His cardio is through the roof. His wrestling is there. He is like, he's like transforming into what he's been saying he, he is, uh, you know, for years. He used to always say he's the best. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? And lately, he's looked really, really good. Um, so I think he is the toughest fight for anybody in the division right now. Um, with that being said, I think Masvidal, is one of the most skilled and most underrated fighters in the UFC and has been for most of his career. I mean, if you look at his losses, he's fought all of the top guys and most of them he's either won or lost split, split decisions to. So he's hang, he's always been hanging in there with everybody. And just recently in the last few years, he's got that finishing instinct. So He's learned how to turn it up when he needs to, to get a finish. Um, I think talent wise, skill wise, I think he's better than Usman. I think, you know, this is skills versus kind of uh, call it cardio athleticism, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. Game plan too. But I, I I just think Masvidal is the better um, martial artist has more skills, better striker. Um, And I think Usman is just a relentless powerful force athletic that is improving but just can maintain a a five-round pace that not many can match no matter whether you have a training camp or not so um you know me i'm going att all the way every time so uh, i think mosfidal is going to get it done this time he uh you know he went five rounds with with uzman on however many days notice six days notice when you know gilbert burns couldn't survive with a full training camp. So uh, Masvidal, I think, knew this fight was going to happen again. 
I, I think he's been preparing accordingly, getting his wrestling rounds in. Um, and I think if he can, def- I think if he can defend takedowns and not give Usman those wins against the cage, and the clinch, and break away and make it a striking match, he is a better striker. Hundred percent, he's a better striker. So it's just he's got to make that the fight, um, which is easier said than done. But if he can do that, I think he wins the striking exchanges, and I think it could be a great fight. Yeah, and and I'll make the case for Masvidal too because. He, he fought Usman. He knows what he feels like. He knows what that was like. And he lost that fight because he spent most of it with his back against the cage. I wouldn't even say it was the takedowns per se. It was just the amount of time he spent with his back against the cage. So I imagine with a full training camp, he is working off the cage, working off the cage, working off the cage to not lose those exchanges, to not give up that control time. Um, One thing I will say is, it's, it's people keep saying a full training camp. It it really was. I mean, I think it was six weeks notice. So I mean, it's a camp. Yeah, yeah I got you. Title fight with no, I no. The only reason I say that is because, like, dude, to train for a guy like Kamaru uh, Usman, you want twelve weeks. You know, you yeah. want you want a pre-training camp to get the guy. You know, so with that being said, I'm sure he's ready. I'm sure he's more than ready. Um, but. Yeah, it's it's I would say a training camp, not quite a full training camp. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely he's definitely a live underdog here because, as you mentioned, he was winning the striking exchanges. I think he won most or all of them uh, in their first fight. He just lost the sort of grappling exchanges with his back against the cage. So I think, you know, knowing what that felt like, knowing that game plan, because I'm sure he expected a wrestling game plan, but I bet they didn't expect a. He's going to hold me against the cage. I think they probably expected to be taken down and on the mat and working from there where Masvidal is very dangerous. So it, it's, it's definitely a tricky one. And I hope Masvidal goes out there and just rips Usman's head off. But I think what is actually going to make this even more boring than usual and even a more dominant fight than usual is the fact that Gilbert Burns did touch Masvidal or sorry, did touch Usman, rocked him, he didn't get it done, but he did rock him, and it was close. And Usman showed a ton of guts coming back from that and winning the way he did. But I also think that he may now, you know, it may be in the back of his head like, Jesus, if Gilbert Burns hit me that hard, Masvidal would have knocked me out. I would have been knocked out if I gave Masvidal the same opportunity that I gave Gilbert Burns. And I don't think there'll be any opportunity. I don't, I think he will strike as little as humanly possible to try to get this on the ground immediately to avoid getting cracked the way that Gilbert Burns cracked him. So uh, I'll let you go, Jacob. I know you're a big, uh, you love Masvidal and you also think that Kamaru Usman's a phenomenal fighter. So I'm curious to hear your pick. Yeah. Jorge is going to win this fight. I don't know how, but it just, it just feels like he's, he just, it just feels like he's going to win the fight. He, he wanted the fight. He took the fight. He survived the first fight. He got his rematch and it just feels like he's just on this trajectory. It's, it's kind of like the Ben Askren where he just, he, that whole time leading up that Ben Askren fight, it's, it's almost like he knew something that nobody else knew. Like he just knew that he was going to win the fight. And I think that's the most important part of this fight is Jorge knows he's going to win this fight. He doesn't think he doesn't hope. In his mind, he knows he's going to win this fight. I just feel like there's just going to be a weird situation where he finds a way to get it done. You mentioned the striking exchanges in the first fight. He won every. He's a he's a way better striker, Newsman. Let's just say that. Um, and he won every single exchange. And I don't think it's about 
you know, stuffing every single takedown. I think it's about stuffing just enough to get a, just a few more striking exchanges. And then Usman, or then uh, Jorge is going to catch Usman. Listen, Usman is a safe pick. He definitely should win this fight. He should dominate this fight. But it just feels like Jorge is good. He, he knows he's going to win the fight. It just feels like it's he just due for that, you know, that, that, that win, that, that big win, you know. And there's also this other little caveat. In the embedded, there's a weird, there's this thing called the haircut glit or the haircut, uh, whatever it's called, the uh, curse. Uh, curse. Yeah, the, the haircut curse. curse. If you get your haircut embedded, a lot of times you lose. Now, there's weird situations where it has to be at the barber. If you get the haircut at the barber, you lose the fight. Usman, it was at his house, but he had a barber come to his house. So I'm just saying there is there's weird things going on, and this feels like a situation where I don't know how That's Jorge's two rounds gonna right there. He's gonna lose two rounds because of that. <laughs> yeah. So, so I have I so I have Jorge, plus five and a half bet. I have Jorge in my lineup, you know, as the value because I just feel like he finds a way to get it done, you know. And actually, if I won my lock of the week last week, Jorge was gonna be my triple down lock of the week. Uh, I had to play it a little bit safer, but I will list him confidently. As my backup lock of the week, so I, I like Jorge to win the fight. I don't, I don't know how um, Usman should, but I just think he finds a way, man. I just think he finds a way. How fun would it be for the division if 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 George won the fight? Oh my god, that would be the, the matchups that they can make would be awesome. Um, I would love it. I, I hope he wins. I would I would gladly lose DraftKings and everything else to watch. Could you could Jorge you ima- could, could you imagine if Jorge won? Connor beats Dustin, and all of a sudden you have Connor versus Jorge for the, for the welterweight belt that Connor's been wanting to go after forever. Yeah, there's there's so many matchups that they can make it, and he would just be a, a fun champion. And and by the way, I trained with him for a lot of years. Great guy, nobody more deserving of this. Like he fought, he did his fight career. We'll call it the hard way, right? Like never had fame, always made money, but never the money he's made in the last few years. And, and most people, you know, 15 years into their career, don't hit that, you know, don't get that all of a sudden. And he came out of nowhere and jumped on the scene and man, has he capitalized. So it's, it's been fun for me to watch just knowing him from back in the day when we trained and just seeing what's happened over the last few years. So I'm hoping he gets it done. It would be awesome for the gym, be awesome for him and, and he deserves it. So, um, Plus, Usman is just so unlikable. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah he's just, I just so unlikable. Yeah. And, I, right. and, I'll, and I'll say, I'll say too for the for the monkey knife fight thing. This is one of those ones where I see less strikes for Usman um, and more for Jorge, just because I think there's a lot of volume from Jorge and Usman just kind of shells up and is afraid to get hit. And he, you know, Usman's got a great jab, but he's not a striker. And if there's a few stuff takedown stuff, Do they I count think- foot stomps as uh, <laughs> a significant I think it strikes. Is. I think it is. If that's the case. The over should be uh, 300 for Usman. <laughs> yeah, it'll be an interesting one. It'll be a really fun fight. Uh, I, I hope it doesn't fall apart. I hope I didn't jinx it by saying that. But this uh, th- this is fun, and it's the first fight with a crowd so this one is going to be awesome i mean we watched this last year it was the very first fight we all ever watched without a crowd so to have the first one back with a full crowd be this rematch is awesome and i'm looking forward to it 